And now, brought to you by Olive Tree Bible Software. Read, study, anywhere. www.olivetree.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined in studio by Zachary Bartles. Um, Zach, we were just chatting about um, just about the recent success of this program and about the the many, many listeners who come to listen to us uh, each and every time we record, which um, recently has not been very often. Uh, right. It we, seems uh, that the less we record, the more people come to listen. So the less we record, the more people come to listen. But in true Baptist fashion, we are rededicating ourselves uh, <laughs> to this program, to this business. This is three weeks in a row, man. That's something. Three weeks in a row, we're rededicating ourselves to uh, to to doing this show, to bringing it to you in a professional way. Um, we went down the aisle and and we filled we out did. the card. Filled out the card, raised our hand, went down the aisle. You know, now we feel a little bit better about ourselves. I mean, we still feel kind of bad because, like, you know, the rededication thing, it never totally worked. You know right. what I'm well, saying? Well, that's why you rededicate it again the next time. Exactly, man. Every time you have an opportunity, man, that that hand goes up and you're rededicating. But there, uh, Well, you look like a, a complete, um, you know, kind of irreligious, uh, non-penitent if you, if you pass up a chance to do that. Uh, and I think right. maybe it had to do with the expectations being so very high that tomorrow I'm not even going to want to swear or, you know, <laughs> look at the, yeah. the bikini po- poster in my, my locker mates, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be so pure. And then you're like, oh, rats. Once again, yeah. it didn't work. Oh, rats. I still do want to swear. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, rats. I still do want to swear. It doesn't work, I guess, but. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Baby, I'm exhausted. I can I, uh, tell, man. You sound like crap. I know. I've not been sleeping well. Um, yeah, and you know why? I'm I'm just gonna come real here, man. Um, and then we'll get back to the huge, you know, uh, growing success of our podcast, which I do want to talk about. But uh, I have a book coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, it's this book about long snapping. Uh huh. Yo, you've been working on that a while. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, I'm super, super stressed about it. Like, I'm, I'm, like, actually afraid. Wait, the you know book I mean? is coming out. It's already done. It's already edited. It's already, it's already Dude, packaged. It's done. It's edited. Yeah, it's, it's just coming out. That's and really unlike you, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I actually get this way for almost every book, but, really? but not this bad. You know what I'm saying? And I think, man, let me, let me run this theory by you. Okay. I think it's because, you know how like fighter pilots at the end of World War II, like you fly your last mission and you get like really skeezed out on your last mission because you know that like if you get through it unscathed, you get to go home and you get to, you know, reunite with your wife and, and pick up your life where you left off. And I think I'm viewing this book somewhat in the same fashion in that I don't really see myself doing a lot of this kind of writing anymore. Um so I, I just kind of want to get through this one. You know what I'm saying? This kind of writing being sports related or what? Nah, just the kind of deep, immersive, like creative nonfiction where I'm doing a lot of like observational stuff about people. You know so what I'm like saying? So like Ted Cluck writing. Ted Cluck writing. Exactly. This is your last book that you're doing as Ted Cluck. Yeah, I, I would like to do books as other people from this point <laughs> forward. But uh, but, but all kidding know, aside, what what exactly do you mean by that? I don't I don't follow. I guess what I mean by it is, is it, there's a particular kind of stress when you're writing 
journalistic nonfiction about real people. You know what I'm saying? Even okay. even when what you're writing is mostly complimentary and and full of grace and all that stuff, just writing about people is stressful because inevitably they misunderstand it and they don't really get what you were trying to do. And like, I just, I dread that, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. And I've been like not sleeping well because of it, uh, which is why I sound so bad today. And, and, and on top of that, uh, I was going to bring in an energy drink to review, uh, on the, on the program and I left it at home. Oh man. I'm sorry to hear that. So you know what I'm drinking in, instead? A sad cup of cafeteria coffee. Oh, Ted, um, you're killing me. From our cafeteria, and it, it and I'm it comes in a little Dixie cup, and it's one of the cups with like the the sad artist rendering of a coffee cup on the on the coffee cup. <laughs> in case you wondered what it was, you know, yeah, you originally meant to be, yeah. and like the little beans jumping out of the cup. Oh, no. I'm doing I'm doing what we normally do with a can, and that I'm describing it in close detail. But Is there any copy on the cup? The copy is caution, contents hot, <laughs> caliente, precaution. It's kind of a utilitarian uh, message there, then. It really is, man. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about this. Preemptively, than... kind of legal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about smart. all this. I'm really sorry yeah. about it. I'm sorry about everything I've heard. I just want to fast forward six months. Like I just want it to be over. You know what I'm saying? Now, compare that, I suppose, with when your first book was about to come out and you wanted the very opposite, like to... Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I want six months to go by so that it'll start and so that I can enjoy every moment of, you know, Dude, my right. book being in the stores and all this stuff. And I think I was just naive back then. So what know? are you, like retiring from writing? No, I'm not retiring from writing. I just, I just kind of see myself doing different kinds of writing moving forward. I mean, I've basically done like... 20 of these books, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it doesn't, like, thrill me anymore, you know? Um, I, I think I want to keep doing movies. I mean, if the movie's successful, I, I see myself doing that again, you know? I, there, there's other irons in the fire. I mean, I'm not retiring, but, like, uh, I, I don't know. It just doesn't uh, it doesn't thrill me like it used to, baby. What about, uh, say, nonfiction, fiction, like, theological kind of... Um, Based on real events that will happen, kind of fiction. Uh -huh. um, I I think I think I'm tracking with you actually. A, like uh -huh. kind of a post-apocalyptic, mid-apocalyptic, slightly pre-apocalyptic <laughs> fiction. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know what? I think that's where I'm at. I think that's where my heart is. Um, sequels. Um, yeah, that that that's definitely where I'm at. That's where I see my career going. What about sequels and, to uh, uh, books about smoking cigars and pipes? Dude, I would do that too. I'm, 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 I'm in the market for two sequels, man. I'm looking at a, a little cigar and pipe sequel and a little uh, rapture novel sequel. What so, about like Silverdome uh, Part Two? Dude, I don't see a Silverdome sequel, <laughs> to be honest. Like, given that they're they're probably tearing the Silverdome down as we speak. Like whatever, so. like office complex they build that he goes and lives there. He's like, this is the copy room here. I remember I used to I used to get Dude, copies right. made here. Oh man, that would be so funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> Standing kind of like up up on the uh, the the annex of the the back of the office building, kind of looking out right. over the. <laughs> <laughs> Just standing up on a chair in a random like conference room, <laughs> waxing eloquent. It's not quite as expansive and beautiful in that in that way, you know. Listen, I want to talk about something that is that is considerably happier than anything we've talked about up to this point. Okay. Uh, 
And that is the fact that we've both seen the movie The Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah. And we both had, like, really strong, really, really strong positive reactions to it. Um, first of all, I want to tell you the story of how, uh, how it came to be that I saw this movie. So um, I work at college, a Christian college. We share uh, a floor, uh, third floor Jennings Hall, with, uh, with the Bible department. And the Bible department guys, they're all pretty nice. Um, you know, I, I have pretty awkward hallway banter with most of them. Um, <laughs> but there was this dude, man, this Bible prof, older gentleman, probably, I'm going to guess, maybe just a little bit younger than our parents, but, but older than us. And, uh, I'd kind of seen this guy around. I'd never really bantered with him, but I always, I always just thought he looked cool. You know what I mean? And, um, I always kind of wanted to hang out with him, to be honest. And, um, it just so happened, man, providentially that we got stuck on the same crappy committee together. So when you're a professor, you have to do committee work. That's like part of the gig. And they just assign you randomly to some committee. And, um, I got assigned to the technology in the classroom committee, which is ironic because nobody uses less technology in the classroom than me. <laughs> um, and probably nobody uses less technology in real life than me. So, um, funny enough, I got assigned to this, uh, to this committee and I ended up sitting by this dude. We ended up talking. Turns out he's a huge sports guy, huge movie buff, good sense of humor. And, uh, the other day, man, I just get a random text from this dude and he's like, Hey, you want to cut out of work and go see the Magnificent Seven? Um, and I was right down the hall. I said yes. And like five minutes later, we were in his car going to see the movie and, um, saw the Magnificent Seven. It was like we were the only two people in the theater and, uh, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so baby, I want to hear your, um, reactions to the movie. And I just want to assess this thing out because I think you texted me that this was like the perfect movie. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with it. Uh, A for, that sounded really romantic. Um, it was, it really kind of was. I didn't want it to come across that way, to be honest. Can we have resonate recording, edit some of the gayness out of what I just said? We don't use them. So no, no, I know. I, I was just <laughs> thinking a joke, man. We are off today. We are horribly <laughs> off today. Well, Judas. I thought I thought maybe you were so out of it that you you didn't remember which podcast you were recording. <laughs> I I would never take the gayness out of your voice, man. Yeah. <laughs> in editing, um, I might I might I have a filter. I might add a little bit more. In. <laughs> you have a gayness filter. I love it. Can we even uh, say this? Is this even a joke I can make anymore in 2016? <laughs> I think probably both our jobs are secure in in making yeah. the the joke about that. Uh, I, I, what I was going to say is is I kind of don't like this guy already. Okay. Uh, he sounds great. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you, you it, feel it, threatened by him in the same way that I feel threatened by Cliff Graham. Right. right? Yes, indeed. Yeah. And by the way, I liked how when I, when I texted you, if you might want to come to Israel with, with uh, me and Cliff, you, you just yeah. answered the other question I asked and not that one. Yeah, exactly. I was conspicuous <laughs> in my silence about Israel because it, it did piss me off that you're like vacationing with him now. I wanted to involve you, man. Listen, why don't you talk this out with your new best friend? Uh, after you go see a movie with him. <laughs> yeah, I will, man. We'll go see a movie and I'll, I'll be like, hey, what about this Israel opportunity? Should I do this? <laughs> no, but, alright, let me, let me throw out a spoiler alert before uh -huh. we talk about this movie. Um, mm -hmm. did you see the original? Never, no. Really? Oh my gosh. See, it's, it's, it really is one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Um, Yul Brynner, freaking a young Charlie Bronson, Steve McQueen. The bad oh, wow. guy's Eli Wallach. I mean, it's, it's, it is the perfect movie itself. That's a powerhouse cast, man. Oh my gosh. And, and it's, and it's funny and it's exciting. Very, yeah. very similar cat, a very, very similar, uh, vibe and a very, very similar story, but not quite the same. Uh, it takes place in Mexico, the original one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's more just like this guy who rides through and steals stuff. I love the idea that dead-eyed antagonist, mm-hmm. uh, gonna force them all to sell their land for pennies on the dollar so he could mine it. And he did was Did he have so dead Garfield evil. as this antagonist? He did, don't you think he did? Oh yeah, the guy, the guy from the current movie. Yeah, Absolutely. this is what I'm talking about, the, yeah. the, the current one. He was, Dude, he was he very total, much like, like evil Arbuckle, right? Yeah, he had total, like, John Arbuckle dead Garfield eyes, man. Absolutely that guy. Didn't that make him more creepy? Like then, if he had been big and biff, biffed up, buffed, but what's the word I'm going for? If he'd been up. big and muscular, muscular, yeah. No, it did make him more creepy. He just seemed like evil and out of it. He's, you know what? He seemed high, like he seemed wasted. <laughs> but, but kind of wasted in a way where he didn't care if he lived or died, and that made him so dangerous, right? Yeah, you know what? I think in real life, and um, if it sounds like I'm eating a, a banana, it's. <laughs> it, 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 if it sounds like I'm eating a banana, it's because I feel like I'm going to pass out if I don't eat this banana. <laughs> so I'm doing that. But I think that guy in real life, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you can go on to the technology in your studio and, and confirm or deny this. I think that guy is actually married to Maggie Gyllenhaal in real life. Shut up. No, man. Check it out. Okay. That guy was a little bit kind of magoo, if you ask me. But okay. Oh, he was totally magoo, man. I don't see it. I don't see it. Although... But- I don't know. I feel like she used to be a very beautiful woman who was about my age, and then somehow she smoked her way into being like 15 to 20 years older than me. Oh, man. Magnificent seven. Now, that banana, was that given to you by your friend in the Bible department? or? <laughs> no, man. I got this from the cafeteria. I purchased this. Oh, it's good to hear, man. Now, do you know who I love in that movie, and somebody who's way cooler than your new best friend, is Denzel. Never been cooler. Dude, Denzel was incredible, man. He was so... I think he was cooler in this movie than he's been in any other movie, which saying something... He, he, he makes any character feel yeah. a little bit dangerous, a little bit unknown, and really likable at the same time. Yeah. Even in Training Day, when he's so... He's like nuts. You're sort of like like him, you know? Dude, he was incredible in Training Day. I think the thing about Denzel is you leave every Denzel movie like wanting to talk like him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I wanted to, I wanted to like get into the headspace of that character and and sort of co-opt various things about the character for my own life, which I think is in some ways the ultimate compliment. All right, I'm looking at Peter Sarsgaard who played Bro. Yeah. You know who I thought he might have been, and then I realized no, that isn't him. Yeah. Uh, the guy on um, High Fidelity, who's like, <laughs> uh, wait a minute, is it not alphabetical? It's autobiographical. Uh-huh. That guy? You know who I'm talking oh, about? Oh, that guy. I love that guy. That guy's name was Dick in High Fidelity. And he was also like the uh, like au pair on Jerry Maguire. Do the au pair Chad on Jerry Maguire? I'm going to teach you about jazz. Yes, yeah, that that's right, man. That guy was great. All right, let's look this guy's let's look this guy's bio up here in my studio. I'm using most of the technology for this, so it might actually affect the ability to record. Yes, spouse okay. Maggie Gyllenhaal from 2009 to now. They have two children together. See, that's crazy. Good for him. I think, yeah, he married up, you know. Um, now, this was a, this, Zach, this version of the Magnificent Seven, this was a powerhouse cast, man. Let me tell you about the guy that I was most excited to see in this movie. Okay. Um, he's a guy who's very uh, familiar to you if you kind of came of age during the 90s. And it's Ethan Hawke. Yeah, he looked grizzled, didn't he? Dude, he looked beyond grizzled. And his character, though, I think it was one of, one of the most interesting characters in the movie, just with his issues and what he had going on. Um, really interesting development. Nice little arc to that character. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed seeing him, man. I enjoyed him in a in a role where he, he 
you know, in the 90s and even into kind of the early 2000s, he sort of made his living playing the same dude. You know, he always played like... He played you know, the Dead Poet Society student every Dead time. Dead Poet Society student, floppy-haired grunge dude, kind of like the, you know, the urban philosopher kind of guy, which uh, we all wanted to be that guy in the 90s, but... Um, but the character got a little tired. It, it was cool to, to see him playing a, a completely different kind of dude. Well, and don't you feel like, I mean, like he, he's the one who was with Denzel in Training Day, in, yeah. in which movie Denzel was the old kind of wise veteran and, yeah. and he was the young, fresh faced, you know, 24 year old rookie. Yeah. And it's like he aged and Denzel didn't because in this movie he was the like wizened old veteran and Denzel. Dude, I was just going to say that, man, the years have been, have, have been hard on Ethan Hawke in that he seems to have aged like three decades while Denzel, I think, yeah, looks somehow even younger than he looked. In yes. Trace. And handsomer. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and awesomer. Yeah, dude. And, and of course we can't not talk about Chris Pratt, who's all of a oh. sudden in everything went from being this dumpy guy on like parks and rec and stuff and a yeah. voice on a Lego movie. And now he's like this roided out, super handsome, steely eyed, uh, but still man. funny, super handsome, steely eyed, yoked up, roided out dude, but still super funny, man. So funny. So awesome. Honest to gosh. Like that's, that's the paradigm of like what I want to be. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? The flippant, but also heroic. Yeah, you're flippant, you're heroic, you're smart, but you're still like all yoked up and athletic, man. Infinitely That's brave. Dude, his, his big moment, you know what I'm talking about. I said oh, spoilers, I but if you haven't seen the movie, see it. I'm not going to give this away. Dude, his, his big, uh, kind of climax moment. I, I was in the theater, uh, with a theater of maybe 12 people. And well, were you with Cliff Grant? Probably like sharing a popcorn, you know, talking about your trip to Israel. Dude, you know, I, was, that kind of... I was by myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see. You. I had. I was by myself, and I was kind of imagining that you were sitting next to me. You know, I was oh, making comments baby. to you. Listen, man, I wish I wish it had been you in that theater with me. <laughs> you know, I was only hanging out with Doctor J because you weren't here. Listen, it's healthy. It's healthy for us to move on. I just haven't done it yet. No, um, I, it's not healthy for us to move on, man. Never forget. <laughs> Wait, you were with Doctor J? Are you kidding me? Seriously? What's that? You were with Doctor J? Yeah, not that Doctor J. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna forgive you for that. Like, no, I know. If it if it had been the real Doctor J, how how amazing would that have been? Dude, you no know one wants man, to sit behind him, though. You know. Let's put it. Let's put a pin in this, man. Because um, I, I want to suss this out for a minute on a on a friend level. Okay. So. We, uh, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this program, we both have jealousy issues vis-a-vis um, other friends that we have. Which is right? itself a little weird. <laughs> no, it's weird, but we're but we're we're kind of like equally yoked in this. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> so just stay with me because I'm gonna I'm gonna suss this out. We have jealousy issues now. What would what magnitude of celebrity would it take for me to be friends with such that? You weren't, you weren't jealous at all. You so know what, what I'm saying? What like, is like, like, like how like Ross and Rachel had like a list. <laughs> dude, right. Like a list of, you know, it would be okay for you to go to, okay, so this is the list. It would be okay for you to go to movies during the daytime with this person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I feel so uncomfortable. And yes, I know exactly what you're saying. So um, you know what I'm saying? Now I want to know like just a couple of names who would be on that list. Like, like if I hung out with this person, it would be totally cool with you. Let me just throw out of- some names right now. Uh, now. It wouldn't be cool if you didn't at least call me and let me talk to these people. No, of course. But I would man. be super jacked and excited that you got to. Uh, Argyle. Uh, what Argyle. was his name? Devro White. Yeah. Uh, Theo. Vince yep. Vaughn. Okay. Um, obviously Bobby Rasiglione. 
there. Oh, um, Bobby Rasigliano. Is everybody in this house named Bobby Rasigliano? <laughs> I'm a Mason. Um, Dude, that guy too. What's that guy's name in real life? You're talking about that uncredited cameo by a famous guy. Yes. And I don't. Yeah, the only can't. Who's the famous? The guy? only cameo I recognized in that movie was Sam Rockwell. Okay. Dude, now I'm gonna look up Made because now this is driving me crazy. I need to. I need to know who this guy was. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I remember like it was clear you were supposed to be impressed that they had him, you know, drop yeah. in. But... You know what else he was in? He was in the Ocean's Eleven movies, um, and he was wearing the really awesome glasses. You know who I'm talking about? What did he do Old in the Ocean? Was he part of the team? Yeah. Awesome um, Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould was not the guy who said, "Is everyone in this house named?" Really? No way. I imagine him as being that guy. Elliot Gould's like 30 years older than that guy, man. Really? Yeah. Man, see, it's been, it's been forever since I've seen the movie. Hey, Ted. Yeah. Say the thing about the really awesome glasses again. Uh, just that Elliot Gould had really awesome glasses. Glasses? Who cares about glasses? Yeah, I like it. Yeah? I like it. Like, I, never mind. No, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Now, for me. What's <laughs> oh, so funny? Nothing, man. Carry on. Um, we got to figure out who the guy was, but I've exhausted all my like possibilities of who the guy could be. It's hard to Google something like that without including all of the profanity and blasphemy in the line. Yeah. Um, everyone in this house named Bobby <laughs> Risigliano. Yeah. And it comes up with interior decorator, Bud Court. Okay. Bud Court. It was Bud Court. He's a comedian. Um, I don't know anything about him, but that's who that's who's, who said, uh, dude, you got to look him up and see how little he looks like Elliot Gould. Look up Bud Court. I don't Court. know why in my mind's eye he was Elliot Gould. That's happened with me a bunch of times where you just it kind of it would have fit, and so you fill it in. Dude, yeah, he looks nothing like Elliot Gould. <laughs> Judas. But he had pretty awesome glasses as well on He's done a bunch of stuff. Wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, the guy's very accomplished. <laughs> Dude, let me run a name by you, man. And you, you may not have ever watched this show or been into it at all, but I was for a while. Um, okay. And this is just a, the name of a guy that I really like, man. Bob Newhart. You ever watched the Bob oh, Newhart show? Heck yeah, I love Newhart. Dude, I'm so glad. I can't believe we've ever talked. I, I can't believe that we've never talked about Newhart, man. Um I was thinking about Newhart just the other day because he's a Chicago Cubs fan. The Cubs just won the World Series. It made you really Jones for episodes of the Bob Newhart show, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's on Netflix. It seems like the kind of thing you'd have to go buy the DVDs and it would be kind of expensive and you'd be like, oh, I don't want to see yeah, it that bad. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, now, are you talking about the Bob Newhart show or Newhart? That's two different That's two different programs. Either one, man. Either one I liked. Um, either one I would be happy to find on Netflix. Newhart, you know, had a great cast that had my brother yeah, Daryl yeah, yeah. and my other brother Daryl. Um, sure. That would be the one I would want to watch. Um, and I, I don't know if you, you know what? I can find out. Hold on. <laughs> this is just, this is just an hour of guys looking up little facts on the internet and then telling them to each other. <laughs> you know what? I love it, man. Don't cut out one minute of this. It is only available on disc. Oh, balls. Maybe cut out me saying balls. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I've gotten really comfortable, man. I've nearly forgotten that we're on the air. But speaking of sounding more or less gay, let's get back to this original concept, which was us sussing out who would be on each other's okay. list. Yeah, for... So I told you a few. Who would be on, on your list for me, man? Cliff Graham? Dude, I'm going to start with Bob Newhart. Okay. Is um, he alive? If you got a chance to hang out. 
What's that? Yeah, he's still alive. Good for him. <laughs> alive and kicking, man. He looks good. So if you got a chance to hang out with Newhart, um, I would be fine with it because he's a he's a comedy legend, uh, very accomplished dude, and he's older. You know what I mean? I don't feel like he would infringe. He wouldn't threaten like the the the, the space of like friendship that I have in your he life. Would, he you would know fill a different void. He would, yeah. He he would fill a different void. It would he would fill a different role. And on all, along those same Bill lines, Murray. Bill Murray. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be super excited if you got, to. If you got a chance I, I feel to, like it's one of these things where right now it's super like uh, popular to be all all about Bob uh, Bill Murray. Like it really is. It's become very I'm hipster just not, to be all I about love Bill Murray. A few things he's in, but like the 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 core of his kind of initial success, like Stripes and like the first Caddyshack and stuff. Yeah, I'm not really that. I don't get you know. Yeah, you know what? I'm not into Caddyshack or Stripes, man. Those are two movies that I could totally look at. I love Zissou. I'm kind of, yeah, I love Zissou. You know, I, I kind of, I have to admit, I came into the Bill Murray thing in the hipster Bill Murray era. Like, I, I came into Bill Murray, um, as a result of all mm-hmm. those Wes Anderson movies and, and all that. So I have to, I have to, you know what I love though? On that. What about what? Bob? I love what about Bob? Dr. Absolutely. Leo Marvin. I'm sailing. I sail. Um, so Zach, we were talking about again people on uh, on on each other's list. So Bill Murray uh, would definitely be one. Bob Newhart would be one. Um, I feel like if you got the chance to hang out with anyone from the cast of Seinfeld, um, I, w- I would wholesale endorse that. I would not be jealous. Um, I would wish you the best. You know, that's just a it's it's a unique opportunity. You know. Um, so yeah, who else? Obviously Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> You know, you get a chance to hang out with Brad. God bless you. You know, you, you kids have a wonderful time. You know, uh, dude, I would even give you a 20. I'd let you borrow my car. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you kids go see a movie. Just be, be back. What by if we 11. went and saw you know like, uh, the fighter or die hard or something though? I mean, would that be maybe a little mm-hmm. bit too close to home? Like if you went and saw yeah. one of our movies is what you're saying. That would be tough. That would be tough for me. <laughs> I have to, I have to admit, I'd probably sit at home and just kind of like, uh, see, ring your hands. One. You know what I'm saying? I'd ring my hands. I, I'd like, uh, I'd be fidgety. KK would be like, what's wrong? I'd be like, nothing. You know, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Why don't we continue on? Like, this is going well. Um, are we yeah. done talking about the Magnificent Seven? Because I want to say one thing about it. Yeah, no. Uh, or did I cut short what you were trying to do with the other thing? Because I don't want to do it. No, I'm done okay, with the yeah. other thing. I'm done with it. Um, yeah. I feel like the Magnificent Seven is going to be, it was, it was kind of panned. It, it was, it was kind of a dud financially, I think, from what I kind of just gathered. This, yeah. one, this new Magnificent Seven was panned. Yeah, yeah, people. Are you kidding I, me? I think that it was seen as just like one of another unnecessary remake, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be forgotten as such, and I think that's a shame. Dude, get the heck out of here with that, man. People are out of their freaking minds. I, I thought it was, it was one of the best, I think it was the perfect Western in many ways. It was the perfect homage to the first movie. It was, it was mm-hmm. just full of, it was great characters. It was, it was great. Yeah. I totally agree, man. And I think, you know, it was the perfect Western in the sense that, um, there was a great story. There was true conflict, true drama, but there was a sense of playfulness and fun to the movie, even though it was violent, even though there was a ton of great action. Don't you agree that this is important? Like, I, I, um, let me tell you a quick story, and stop me if I told this story last week on the podcast. Did you tell but, it on the Happy uh, Round last week? 
I don't know, man. Because I haven't slept, I, it's almost like I have dementia. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I'll keep you in line. I don't know what I've said in any context anymore. But uh, there's a guy, man, and, and please do stop me if I've told the story. There's a guy who, like, runs the cafeteria here at our university. Super good dude. Incredibly friendly, gracious, fun guy. A little bit older. Um, but this guy was telling us that, like, he always wanted to be an actor. Right. And he even did some like uh, some extra work in some movies. And we were like, oh, what were you in? And he goes, I was in the Christopher Nolan Batman, the, you know, the one with uh, Heath Ledger, uh-huh. the, right? dark, the Dark Knight. Um, so this guy, yeah, the Dark Knight. So this guy was in the Heath Ledger Batman, which caused KK and I to be like, oh, we should, you know, we should watch this movie again so that we could see Jim. You know, we could see mm-hmm. his scene. And we did. It was really cool to see him on the screen. Great freaking movie, by the way. Actually, I disagree, man, and that's where I was going with this. What we both realized was like, I, I don't ever want to see that movie really? again. Like, it just it did it did nothing for me the first time. It did nothing for me this wow. time. Um, and it's because it lacked. I think it lacked a sense of like fun and playfulness, man. There was just there was nothing for me in that movie. The characters were boring. Um, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't get it, man. I did. I didn't vibe with that movie. But um, I completely got and vibed with. Almost every character in the Magnificent Seven, like they all had something interesting going on, and I think that was the strength of the dude. Movie. Vincent D'Onofrio, and oh, Great. Man, his whole thing was it was very, very well done. And and you know what I loved? I loved the like interracial like coalition of it, like the very obviously intentional, yeah. but making it look like it just happened, like. Yeah, it was like a college brochure, yeah. man. You and, know it, what I mean? and something about that just made it super. It seemed like the the ultimate American movie. Um, and dude, yeah. the, the, yep. to have the the uh, American Indian guy that was on the the part of the seven up on the jumping mm-hmm. rooftop to rooftop sniping people with the bow and arrow, that was amazing. That guy was really holy cool, cow. Man. He had he the looked, teeth on his war paint at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he just holy looked cool. Cow, you know yes, what I mean? He did. Fun fact. Yeah. He was cast yeah. because he had his like long, shiny, amazing hair. But he didn't know that's why yeah. he was cast, and he cut it for a different job. And then they were like, "Um, we may or may not keep oh, you." Oh no! But then he just blew him away with his his you know performance, nonetheless. And and, and yeah. the the yeah. guy uh, he had been on something else. The guy who was, uh, I guess he was uh, playing a Chinese character and is in real life Chinese. Uh, I think it was Chinese. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I've seen that guy. Before. He he was in something else as well. Something famous. Hold on a minute. Uh-huh. We're just basically going through the characters and talking about how they were cool without saying why. <laughs> isn't that good? I know. I know. This is, this is good radio, <laughs> this isn't is it? Horrible. Oh, I know where he was from. He was actually Snake Eyes on the G.I. Joe movies. <laughs> Which That's is awesome to me. I don't know why. That Those are terrible awesome. movies. But, awesome. I mean, you remember. It's kind of it's awesome for him because he, like... He, he very much leveled up, you know what I'm saying? Like, this this is a, a way better movie than the G.I. Joe movies. And, you know, the one thing that was really missing from The Magnificent Seven throughout, I'm going, there is a very, very iconic musical theme from the first yeah. movie. And, you know, they made a, a couple more after that that were much, much less, yeah. uh, you know, much less received. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they had a different musical theme that I felt was not nearly as, you know, I couldn't even hum it for you now. But then at the very yeah. end, after... The, the fade out. They had the, mm-hmm. the credits where they like bring up like a, a montage of scenes mm-hmm. of one character and then kind of a slow mo on their face and put up, yeah. you know, Chris Pratt as whatever the Steve McQueen mm-hmm. character was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and mm-hmm. they played the original old score over that. 
And I was yeah. like, oh, that is such a baller classic kind of movie move. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the movie, man. There, there was nothing about that movie that I didn't love. I can't wait till it comes out on video. Um, I'm going to watch it. I, and you know what? I feel like in, uh, run, let me run this by you, man, given our, our last week's conversation about when to show our kids Die Hard. I feel like even though this one was super bloody and violent, it's one that I could show like Tristan. It was a PG-13. You know there wasn't a lot of blood in it. Yeah, you're right, man. There were a lot of people getting killed and shot and stuff, but there was Dude, a ton old of westerns. Blood. Like I used to watch Gunsmoke, and more people get killed in one episode yeah. of that than this whole movie. So I mean, like if if you just kind of fan the hammer of your single action revolver and people fall down, I mean, I don't yeah. think that's gonna twist any. Uh, I'll tell you yeah. what, man. You know, you know how your son. We were just talking about this, and maybe this is too personal to throw on the air. But Aaron and I were just talking about how no, no. Tristan used to have like a real, real aversion to any kind of like blood on screen and stuff. Yeah, he was sensitive, man, which is cool. He was. We were sensitive talking about too. it because my son is is very much. You know, we were watching the second National Treasure movie last night, and he was yeah. really, really worried that there were going to be like skeletons and dead people, like there were in the first one. Mm-hmm. So much so that like if mm-hmm. they went somewhere dark, he'd be ready to, to cover his eyes. And yeah, I was wow. thinking, like, at that age, I think I was already, I probably had seen Die Hard. Like, our generation, the yeah. parents didn't know how to deal with VCRs, and, like, we had all seen all these That's movies. True. And That's I was true. thinking, yeah. like, no, how old you. was Tristan when he kind of got over that? Oh, man, I don't know, because he is over it now. Um Although there's still certain things content-wise that, that make him a little, like, sensitive, which I'm actually really glad for. I'm glad he's not, you know, completely hardened but i think you know he's 14 now you know by 12 he was probably over all that um you know from at least that standpoint but uh but but yeah it's good i i think i think dude i, I like you i'd seen die hard by the time i was 12 you know yeah i had kind of a uh a weird uncle who like <laughs> showed it to us for hey the if first that's time. all your weird uncle does you're okay um yeah you know what all, it's not that weird. Like, hey, let's watch a cool movie. That's, that's uh, you're a touch young, yeah. but you know, that's a cool uncle is actually what that is. Um, yeah. the thing was, I, I was thinking like, the little part of me was like, okay, come on. It's, you know, a, a skeleton on a movie. I, I would never, mm-hmm. you know, try and make him feel foolish about it. But, but, it, but then at yeah. the same time, I was thinking, you know, at, at 10, I was probably reading Punisher comics and, and kind of a yeah. little too into, you know, like like violence yeah. and blood and stuff. So I'd far rather he he want to look away yeah. from it. Yeah, indeed, man. No, that's a good thing. That's definitely a good thing. And by the way, if it sounds like I'm eating an apple, <laughs> um, I am because if I I feel like if I don't eat this apple, which which full disclosure also came from the cafeteria, um, I feel like I might just pass out right here at my desk. So, so by the by the fact that you're just eating nothing but fresh fruit, I can assume that maybe you're still on this diet, right? You're still on still it. Still doing it, baby. Still doing it. Still dieting. Total pounds um, lost now. Where are you at? Fifteen pounds, man. Okay, have you yep. built a lot of muscle or something? Because you've been eating almost nothing for like a month and a half. You should be down more than that. Dude, that's the crazy thing. Like, I'm still. You know, I'm still pretty strong in the weight room. I'm still doing like what I normally do for workouts. So, you know, being down 15, like that's, that's about as far as I want to go. I don't want to get too much smaller than that. Okay. So, um, you know, and I've probably started cheating a little more diet wise, but, uh, but yeah, in general, we're still doing it and I'm still trying to have like healthy snacks and stuff like this. So is that now if you're, if you're hungry, do you have to be like, okay, I'm going to eat an apple, uh, on the air. 
uh, or yeah. like you have to override the craving for, you know, the, whatever the Twinkie or the, or, or is that what your, your mind Dude, goes you know to? What's funny? The first two or three weeks, especially I had really strong cravings for like, you know, the, the kind of crap I would usually eat when I got hungry, like candy bars or, or even like a granola bar, which is basically like a trumped up candy bar. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And, um, I, I would crave that stuff really hard during the day, but now I, I don't even really crave it anymore. Huh. So yeah, I think I've, I've kind of reconditioned myself. See, I uh, wish I could more. just jump right to that point. Oh, that would be nice. But I, I, I have to tell you the free, and you know, the first month, man, I just, I, I wanted to die. It was the worst. Um, <laughs> But yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm over that. Um, I mean, I'm not sleeping anymore, but you know, that's a, that's a totally separate issue, I think, in, in my mind. Um, baby, I want to, I want to switch gears here and, and, uh, I'm looking at our show notes, our production notes from, uh, from our production meeting this morning. And, um, there were several things, one of which was just the word Turkish with a question mark. <laughs> Um, are we going to try to get one Frank Turk onto the air? I, I, you uh, got to book Frank Turk well in advance because of his corporate schedule. Yeah. Let's try and get him next time. It, what was okay. exciting was after we, after last time when we, we had a little commentary on how much we missed him, uh, especially yeah. missing him kind of live tweeting the apps. He, he live tweeted yeah. it. Um, oh. and so we, we need That's to, nice. uh, maybe we, he, he told us that he thought he, he thought we had quit podcasting. Oh, Turk, come on. Man. His dog's alive. His dog is walking well. Baby, listen, uh, let me be the first to say I'm really pleased that Turk's dog is alive. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of worried that, like, you know, something something bad had happened to the dog. So um, what do you think Turkish's dog is named? Uh, something from, like, an obscure comic book reference, probably. Yeah. He's like, yeah. uh, um, microchip. Maybe what's your dog naming philosophy? I think that the closer you can get to a really banal kind of human name, the better. Like I totally Jeff agree, hundred percent. Or... Oh, Jeff, man, that would be a fresh dog. Brad, I, I don't know. <laughs> Brad or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keith, you know. <laughs> if it seems like a guy that would be almost like a little bit douchey, then it'd be a great dog name. You know what I mean? <laughs> Brett, you know. <laughs> Chad. Chad for a Chad, dog. Oh, dude, that's great. That's great. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. So we will try to get Turkish on in a subsequent app. We do need to clear that with corporate. Um, Turk is a very busy man. Um, you know, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. So we do need to, uh, we need to assess that out well ahead of time and we'll get to that. But, uh, again, in looking at our production list, um, we've hit most of these topics, albeit not well. Um, <laughs> There, there is one have- more that I wanted to talk about, which is, um, Jory Micah, Jory Micah, right? <laughs> it's came out with a, uh, we, we had referenced, uh, that, that particular account, uh, that yeah. non account and, and, uh, she replied to the just posting of the CD guys episode, okay. uh, which by the way was much better than this one. Um, yes. With uh, the words, never doubt your influence, women. Two complementarians mention my impact on their lives. I bet they even like quiche. <laughs> and uh, so my question was, are we yeah. complementarians? <laughs> because I, I read that and my first thought was like, I mean, I, I know it's fake and, and it's for funnies, but I was like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. I, you don't know me, Jory Micaca. Yeah. You don't know me, fake person. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have gone to a movie with Jory Micah, I don't know if that would be okay with your wife, but that, that'd be on my list too. 
given that Jory Makaka is probably like a 42 year old man. Yeah, right. but, or Frank Turk, you know. Or Frank Turk. 52 year old man. Dude, 50-50, I've probably already been to a movie with whoever, whoever like writes Jory Makaka. So, um, chances are that uh, that box has been checked. But um, yeah, uh, back to your question. I mean, fascinating stuff here. Because we joke a lot about, uh, you know, in true complimentarian fashion, I'm going to go tell my wife how she needs to blah, blah. Yeah. I feel like my, my interaction with complimentarian theology is mostly in the realm of making fun of it. So, right. I don't I don't know what that says about me. I, I, here's my sense of it, baby. And, and, and you tell me whether or not I'm off base here. And maybe this is a function of teaching at a college. But I feel like down here especially, um, like claiming to be a Southern Baptist is just about the least cool thing you can do. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, like and, and in particular, when you're in college, you have to sort of – you have to act like you're disgusted with like – Southern Baptist. You know what I'm saying? That's like a part of the persona. Like you, uh, you, you come to orientation, you get the, the map of campus and you get the, you know, catalog of classes and like a t-shirt. And then you also get like talking points about how to distance yourself from like Southern Baptist. <laughs> Even though you've chosen to, uh, pay a lot of money to attend a Southern Baptist school. Dude, exactly. But it's still, you're, you're over it and you're better than it. Exactly. I feel like you get what I'm saying though, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same thing at Cornerstone with, with kind of the GARB, which they were sort of part of. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, going it's, to, to, it probably is the same in the South, but going to, to college in, uh, West Michigan, you had to be, uh, at least right. very critical of like the Republican kind of religious oh, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's part of the persona that you put on when you're in college. It's just standard prestige. So where, where I'm going with that though is that, is there anything less cool than just saying you're a complimentarian? You know what I'm saying? Like saying it out loud. Um, well, or writing a book about it and self-publishing it. Who did that? Kevin DeYoung, man. That was his first book, man. He put it out, he put it out on his own. Dude, it was, man. That's a deep, like, KDY reference from way back in the day, man. Wow. Yeah. Before you, before you launched him. Yes. That was his only real, uh, literary claim to fame. Dude, that's crazy. What was the name of the book? Do you remember? I don't, but I can look it up real quick. I have, I think I have it. I think I bought it at the Magnify conference just because I was like, uh, I need some of this young yeah, wrestlers yeah, yeah. reform stuff is what I was thinking. Um, Kevin DeYoung, which now is, you know, middle-aged, uh, yeah, middle-aged, satisfied and reformed. M-A-S-R, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember purchasing that and then realizing like this is just something he threw together himself, like on his computer and being annoyed that I paid a hefty price for it. I, I guess I assumed it was Crossway. Yes. And that, you know, I was trying to get a lot of Crossway going in my collection at the time. <laughs> it's called Freedom and Boundaries. Oh, there you go. I remember that. A pastoral primer on the role of women in the church. It's got a really nice looking cover now. I wonder if he was able to sell it to... I bet um, he was, man. Click on it. I bet he, like, repackaged that thing and, and sold it. It says... Oh, wow. You have to pay 75 bucks for it if you want what? the paperback. Vintage. Uh, Okay. It's, it's published by Pleasant Word, a division of Wine Press Publishing. Oh, wow. Never in 2006. So, yeah, I think uh, that was – yeah, that, that was uh, something that he did before before he uh, had really broken out with why we're not emergent and why we love the church. Dude, you know what's funny about us and complementarianism? Hmm. I think it's the fact that, like, I think maybe – we we probably are complementarians, but we're both married to like really strong women who are like really smart and independent and like have their own stuff going and which I dig, man. I totally dig that. I think that's like sexy and I I, I dig that about my lady. Um but I, I think 
the reason you and I are, are, are like slow to like fully put on the complementarian label is, um, I don't know that we're, that we're married to such like, I don't know, strong, strong ladies. What do you think of that, man? Is there any truth to I that? I think there's there? truth to that, but at the same time, the, the fact that we aren't kind of the hard kind of fundamentalist complementarian is why we married, uh, true women like yeah. that. Although yeah, I so have it's noticed like a chicken that chicken and egg kind of scenario in that, yeah, right. We were attracted to a certain kind of lady because, right. And I have noticed oddly though that certain, um, you know, hardcore, no women ever teach, you know, unless it's children or other women, uh, yeah. you know, submissive, blah, 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 uh, that, that there's often, uh, men who, who kind of toe that line whose mm-hmm. entire lives are dictated by their wives because, you know, they're yeah. completely under the thumb of, and, and to me, that's the saddest thing in the world. That um, is ironic, isn't it? It's, it? And it's kind of interesting. It's almost like the, the strong strident, like complementarian rhetoric is a way of, of, uh, I don't know, re- reacting to the fact that your your whole life is kind of controlled by your lady. You yeah, know? yeah. And to me, it's like, just why, why don't you just acknowledge, like, we're partners in this, and yeah. therefore, you know, I, I think, but but think about how devious it is for the woman to mm. be like, I'm going to find a guy who thinks he's completely, you know, he's been handed uh, control over me by God, and right. then I'm going to just like run the whole thing. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of evil genius, uh, Dude, level that stuff is evil genius. That's dark though, man. That's dark. That, think, that would be, yeah, go ahead. that would be devious. Yeah. It would just take a devious lady to pull that off, you know? I, I think that it, when you say complementarian, if you mean women and men were designed to have different strengths, weaknesses and roles, uh, and to complement one another, then yeah. yes, both of us really are. Right. Uh, if that's all you mean. But if you mm-hmm. go further with, you know, like, uh, women have to, you know, ask before they can, you know, buy something and, and, uh, <laughs> it, you, you, all, all decisions about discipline have to just go through dad. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, when you were thinking about moving, like if you were a certain breed of complementarian, you yeah. would not have sat down and had this difficult conversation with your wife about whether we want to move. You would have just said, I'm yeah. going to tell you tomorrow whether we're doing this or not. See, that's insane, man. I, I, I just, I literally, as I sit here, Zach, I can't believe that there are people like that. You know what I mean? It sounds so sad to me, and it sounds yeah. really empty, and, and I don't find that in the Bible. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, full disclosure, I have a woman at my church who fills my pulpit when I'm not here a lot of the time, so that will tell mm-hmm. you that I'm probably, you know, further afield toward the, the held of the Evans, uh, mm-hmm. than, than many people would assume me to be theologically. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing that there's, and, and I know that the, the anonymous Twitter account just being stupid. Um, yeah. but, but usually those jokes, you know, they're made haha complimentary because there's truth behind them. And I just mm-hmm. got thinking like, it's, it's one label that I think it's, it's silly and unnecessary. Sure. What it usually is, it's a smokescreen and this gets more theological than we usually do, but it's a smokescreen okay. for That's- just discussing how do we read the Bible? Uh, uh, so it's uh, one of these, well, we will pin it down to this example. Now just say, are you going to read the Bible and say, I'm going to try and apply it exactly as it is, uh, mm-hmm. with all of the difficulty and the fact that there's tensions there, or am I going to, you know, usually the ones who say egalitarian and claim that so proudly are, you know, there is no gender and, you know, sure, miles sure. to the other side. And both of those extremes to me are useless. I agree, man. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, what's funny. You, you mentioned like 
you know, discussing the move with my wife and how absurd that would be if I hadn't. Um, I actually had a much tougher time discussing the move with you than I did with KK. Really? Was it because yeah. I freaked out? Yes. And I knew you were going to freak out. <laughs> and I dreaded discussing it with you because of that. And and I remember I put it off like like a, a long, long time. And then finally, you know, we... <laughs> We, uh, we, we orchestrated this kind of like dinner party scenario where I was going to do the big reveal. And I remember I was like almost like sick to my stomach about it. You know what I mean? It was With like the release of a book, right? Yeah. It was like the release of the book. Yeah. You're like this yeah. is the last time I'm going to move to Tennessee and I just want to get through with it. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. You know what would have helped me in that situation? What? I'm not saying you botched it, but if you would have said, listen, when I get there, mm-hmm. there's going to be a guy in the Bible department. Yeah. Kind of like you, how you're in the, you know, you study the Bible, and and he and I are going to become real good friends, and uh, we're going to go to I movies together. I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know what? I deserve that, though. Hey, I let, deserve that. Let, let me also, before we close this up, make one uh, kind of observation, um, something that jogged my memory. Sure. Uh, there is a Gatling gun at the end of The Magnificent Seven. Oh yeah, a major Gatling gun situation, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Think think through that scene again before before showing any children this movie. That yeah, was, that's true. That was that's brutal. True. It really was. Um, yeah. But it reminded me of this at the bottom of our notes thing on our Google Docs. There's a little thing that says Rapture sequel notes, uh-huh. and these are notes from from way long time ago. That one time that you and uh, you and me and our families went to Gun Lake. Dude, the ill-fated Gun Lake trip, man. Yeah, well, we had a lot of fun until we all got, like, attacked by nature. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was super fun. <laughs> but uh, we had sat there on that, uh, like, boat uh, out of the sun, jotting mm-hmm. down notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of, them, <laughs> one of them says, young Tim Van Shrimpy, 1880s <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> He's 19 years old in 1889, his <laughs> knee bothering him a little bit, and invents the Gatling gun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we definitely need to write that in, man. <laughs> like, like the Boondock Saints two flashbacks to like the the '60s or whatever. Yeah, uh, but these are these reveal just how old Van Shrimpy is. Then, yeah, uh, there's a certain timelessness to Van Shrimpy, <laughs> you know, and I think that therein lies the, you know, the beauty of that of that gentleman. And uh, I may have already uh, mentioned this, uh, but <laughs> I never stopped finding it funny. The uh-huh. quote, love lifted me and left my clothes in a neatly folded pile. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. You know what? You know what I really need in my life? What's that? Um, is to re-engage the writing of that sequel. Oh, um, yeah. I remember ended when we were all together and you wrote the, you wrote the thing, uh, in the, the villages. Yes. Which I right. still have on my, my old 1999, uh, battery-powered word processor, and I should send to you, and that would probably kickstart the thing again. I love it, dude. Please do send that to me, because I do want to kickstart the whole thing. And I'm going to use leaning into the sequel as a way to, to mitigate against all this anxiety that I'm feeling about my uh, my other book coming out. So, um, yeah, so this is going to be a, a bit of a coping mechanism for me, I think. Lean into it, man, yeah. Yeah, I will. Baby, this app, um, let, let's assess this app because I, I have some. <laughs> this is a new segment. We always kind of analyze. Yeah, and assessing interpret. the app, a little bit of a debrief, you know, a post-production <laughs> meeting, if you will, that we let the listeners in on. I feel like, you know, 
we, we had some magic off the air before we went live. Then we went live and things kind of came apart for a little while. But I feel like we have redeemed this app. Um, you know, we, we had a little haha. We had the kind of deep theological talk about complementarianism. Um, I'm going to leave this experience. I'm going to leave the studio today. I'm going to punch the clock on the way out and grab my, my lunch pail and, um, and start that long commute home feeling, feeling good about the job that we've done today here in, uh, in the radio business. Your you're feeling, thought. you're feeling kind of nourished physically by the apple and the banana and nourished <laughs> maybe kind of intellectually by, by the interaction that we've I had. Agree. Yeah, that's a that's a nice way to say it, and that's that is a that that is an accurate way to describe what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Baby, how are you feeling about the app? I want I, you to assess. I feel like uh, there was a little awkwardness in there, but not the like Seth Rogen, Michael Scott, like uh, <laughs> Parks and Rec practiced awkwardness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like no, I people agree, yeah. are, who, who don't have close male friendships are going to listen to this and wonder, uh, first of all, they're, they're going to wonder about us. Yeah. And then they're going to kind of let it get a little deeper and they're going to wonder about themselves and, and ask, mm -hmm. why don't I have, mm -hmm. uh, the kind of male friendship that, that might lead me to, toward jealousy? That's um, right. that's right. And I think, that, I think that being sort of the peg that we hung this episode on, the, the, the friendship jealousy, I think that really worked. I think that kind of carried us through. What do you call the list that that we made? I mean, like, uh, I think Ross and Rachel called it uh, the cheat list, or mm. I don't know. It's been it's been maybe twenty years since I've yeah. seen that that episode of, of Friends, but I think that's a recurring kind of pop culture yeah. thing, right? You have it's a, a recurring pop culture thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you usually make your own list. You get like five and you write them down. Mm. But I th think that it shows how much we care about each other that we, you know, I made your yeah, list. Yeah, we opened that up person. to the, yeah, even the list we're not like keeping secret, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, I'm involving you in that. You know what? <laughs> you and I are actually, I think in our friendship, we're egalitarians. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're right about that, man. Yeah. Dude, I think maybe, maybe we're egalitarians. That's, that's so interesting. You know what though? Get that word gal out of there. We're, we're ebroitarians. Ebroitarians. There's no gals here. Oh my goodness, man. Now tell me, total disclosure, did you make that up or did you see that somewhere else? I just made it up right now on the spot. That made, nothing, nothing makes me happier. See, now I feel like we've redeemed this episode. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I was feeling any sort of residual uh, disappointment about the app, it is now gone. Um, <laughs> so thank you, listeners. Uh, thank you for hanging with us. Thank you for making the month of October our best month uh, in the history of the Gut Check podcast. Um, we've done well. We're, we're doing just really, really well, um, <laughs> as, as, as media moguls right now. And, um, if you're wondering like how to... we're doing, the answer is really, really well. Yeah, if you're wondering how we're doing, you don't have to ask. If you sound um, like we're falling apart, if you think it sounds like we're falling apart at all, if you think you're it, wrong. If you think it sounds like we're falling apart, like just eating fresh fruit on the air to keep from passing out, uh, in our studios. Uh, don't be deceived. We're doing really, really well here. If it seems like we're just looking things up on the internet and saying them and then like listing characters from movies that you probably didn't see, you're wrong. And being like, oh yeah, that guy's super cool. And then saying another guy's name and then being like, oh yeah, that guy's cool too. And he's Chinese. If you think that's, if you think that's bad radio, you're wrong actually. <laughs> <laughs> what that is is good and successful radio and the kind of radio that gets us over 50,000 feet hits. Um, for our last episode. So I will leave you with that. Join the Gut Check Army at gutcheckpress.com backslash army. 
Uh, go to Twitter at gutcheckpod, uh, where we will tweet upwards of one to two times per month. Um, so experience that. Uh, be a part of that. Go to gutcheckpress.com. Uh, browse our book selection. We have the Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion. We have Re-Raptured, uh, our two most uh, exciting titles. We have the Gut Check Guide to Publishing. If you're uh, if you're looking to be like us and get into the publishing game um, and see all of your writing dreams come true, uh, like all of ours have, uh, buy the Gut Check Guide to Publishing. Um, leave us a fawning five star review, and we'll probably read it on the air. Zach, this has been a pleasure. Um, I'm going to go home and take a nap because um, uh, I just don't feel well. But um, <laughs> but I feel like I've rallied to do this show because when you're when you're a radio pro, that's what you do. Uh, baby, this has been a pleasure, and we will see you next time.